1 John uh, chapter 2, 18 to 27. Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know that it is the last hour. They, sent, they went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For, they did not belong, for if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, uh, but their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But if you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth, I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever has knowledge of the Son also has of the Father. For as you see that you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you remain in the Son and in the Father. This is what has been promised to us, eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. For as for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and, has, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, it has just taught you, remain in him. If you've not got a Bible, um, there are Bibles in the back right corner. We can pass those around as well. Um, actually, I, I mean, I say, I say Bibles. Don't worry too much this morning, um, at least to begin with. Um, I know we might often say to have your Bibles open. But actually, I want to start slightly differently this morning, slightly unusually. And I've not warned Richard of this. I just, it's my first opportunity during this One John series to be at the front. So I actually wanted to start by revisiting a couple of things that Richard and Dan have spoken about um, in recent weeks. Dan, last week, if you were here... Uh, he was talking about us not loving the world or things of the world. Um, and I just thought it'd be helpful to start off by saying, yes, um, obviously there's lots of truth in that, but also it's important to remind you that God is, God is all about love. God wants us to be happy. God is love, and he wants us to be um, enjoying ourselves and happy as well. So if there are things that you enjoy doing, even if they're perhaps slightly of the world, if you are happy doing them, God wants you to do those things, doesn't he? Because God is love. If you love doing them, then do those things that, that make you happy. God loves it when you're happy. That's, that's what he's all about. Um, now, obviously, that could go too far, um, you know, but God has given us things like money, sex, relationships, um, work, all these different things. Um, so if you're using them in a way that makes you happy, then obviously God's going to be happy. So just wanted to come back to that. There was one other thing from the first couple of weeks, um, stuff about the atoning sacrifice. Jesus as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Um, and there's obviously, again, there's, there's truth in that, isn't there? But it's also important to recognize that there is more to it than that. Your presence here on a Sunday morning, um, you're giving financially to the church, you're serving in different ways, you're coming to home group, your bi daily Bible study and your prayers. Those are all part of what gives you confidence that you are a Christian. Well, hang on. <laughs> if you've got your Bibles closed, please open your Bibles at this moment. Hopefully, something of what I've just said is jarring with you. Even the young people in the room, I hope that even if I'm saying those things confidently, you should be sitting there screaming, hang on, this is not right. This is not what the Bible says. Hopefully, that's firing off inside you. What I'm just saying is wrong. It's false teaching. Thank you for not walking out. Um, you only gave me about a minute and a half of that. That's absolutely fine. No more of that. Those things are not true. But how do you know they're not true? How do you know what I've just said to you isn't true? I could make it sound quite convincing. I could do some nice PowerPoint slides. I could put it on YouTube and get millions of thousands, maybe, of followers. 
How do you know those things I've just said should be thrown out on Tuesday morning with the rubbish bins and not make it into your head, into your heart as to how you think, what you believe and how you behave? So the question is, how can you be, how can I, how can we be equipped to spot truth and lie and separate the two? Because even inside the church, maybe even inside Avenue, there would be people who would be speaking lies. Maybe deliberately, maybe because they're ignorant. We don't understand the truth and we haven't understood it fully. And that's the backdrop to what John is talking about in this part of 1 John. In a sense, this is, it's not the core of things, but sort of things have been moving towards this part um, of, of the book, of the letter. Um, we've seen a number of times he said, I'm writing this because of this, I'm writing it because of this, and here we get dear children, and then he starts telling us more about why he's writing. And basically the big picture, to summarize it, so you can ignore everything I've said so far, um, about correcting others. You can ignore that. And if you remember nothing else, don't remember that bit, remember this. Hold deeply and firmly to the truth of the gospel in the face of people who are trying to lead you astray. That's what John is saying here to these people, and that's what the Bible wants to say to us, I believe, today as well. Because false teachers, liars, those who would deceive and give you a counterfeit Jesus weren't just around 2,000 years ago in the early days of the church. They are around today. Maybe they look a bit different, but they are around today. So in this passage, I think John wants to encourage his readers and us, and I think he wants to warn them. First of all, he wants to encourage us that we are in Jesus. If indeed you are in Jesus, if you're a Christian, if you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, then you are in him. Keep going, he says. Hold deeply and firmly, or remain is the word that we see several times. But he also wants to warn us. He wants to warn us that there are those out there, maybe those in here, who would want to put us on a different track. They would want to send us uh, off course. They would want to derail our faith. We're going to start with that second one, the warning. And here's the point. Watch out for lies and false teaching that can deceive you. Watch out for lies and false teaching that can deceive you. So, verse 18. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is the last hour. A bit confusing. Was he writing this at 11 o'clock at night and the oil was about to run out? What does that mean? Does it mean that he thought Jesus was just about to come again the next few days? No, what, what he's saying is it's the last period of history. It's the last chapter of the book of, of the book of history. Jesus was promised through the Old Testament. He's come. Jesus lived. He died. He rose again. He's ascended to heaven and will come again. And we live in that period of time from the Jesus has gone into heaven and he will come again. We don't know if that will last. Well, they didn't know then if it would last one year or 2,000 years or 10,000 years. We don't know. Doesn't make it any less true. We are living in that last period of history where there is this battle going on as Jesus wins more and more people for his church here in Clarendon Park, in Ayres-Montsel, in Leicester, in England, in the UK, and across the world. It is the last hour. And in this passage, we're going to see humans, people, at work trying to derail Christians' faith. Behind the scenes, we see the devil at work, because this is a spiritual battle, not simply 
a human one. The devil wants to harm Jesus' church. He wants to spoil his plans. And there is a spiritual battle going on. And we read of these antichrists, or the, the antichrist and antichrist. Now, we haven't got time this morning to, to do a whole theology on what the antichrist might be. It's a term that comes up a few times in the New Testament uh, as, it, as we look towards the end of times, the end of things, and, and Jesus coming again. What's clear here is that it says, look, doesn't it there? As you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. Many. These are anti-Jesus. That's what it means. These are people who are against Christ. Anti-Christ. Some of them might be obvious. Many of them will be very subtle. And they will be thoroughly encouraged and supported by the devil's work. Now, these particular ones had been part of the church. If you look at verse 19, they went out from us, but they didn't really belong to us. Because if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. Now, this doesn't mean, let me just say, that anyone who once upon a time came to Avenue and then moves and goes elsewhere, that they're the Antichrist or an Antichrist. It does not mean that. Okay? Just don't break off any friendships that you've got that are like that. What it does mean is that these particular people have been in the church and they have now got a different understanding of, well, we're going to come to that, but they are teaching a different Jesus. And they've gone out from them and are trying to drag others away with them. They are anti-Jesus. So if you skip forward to verse 26, I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. These are harmful people. These aren't simply people who have decided they no longer believe and have gone away and left you to get on quietly. These are people who are actively trying to lead them astray. And not just them. There would be people in the church today, in the wider church, who would lead people astray if we believed what they taught. Um, this is an unusual thing. I'm going to do a, quite a physical little illustration here for you, okay? Don't, no one's going to get hurt. It's fine. What I'd like you to do, if you are able and willing, I, I need you, please, with your right foot, I'm going to do this balancing on my left. You can do it all sitting down. With your right foot, I'd like you, please, to start rotating your right foot clockwise. For those under 16, I gather you don't know how to read a clock anymore. It starts at the top and goes to the right, okay? So you're doing that? Everyone doing that? Okay, keep that going. Now, what I want you to do, with your right hand, get your index finger of your right hand, I want you now, from the top down, to draw a six. Anyone just notice what's happened to your foot? Concentrate, clockwise foot, and then draw a six from the top down. Amy, what's happened to your foot? It's changed direction, okay. So your foot is now trying to go anti-clockwise, yeah? You can do that one over lunch with friends, all right? Some of you might have very clever left-right brain separations and you can do it, I don't know. Some of you don't know how to draw a six, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> I suggest, by the way, if you're listening to this online and you're in the car, don't do this while driving. Um, so what's going on there is that the hand comes along and messes up this thing that the foot is doing. Okay, the foot's perfectly able to rotate clockwise. And then the hand, Danny, you can stop doing it and do it when you get home. That's fine. <laughs> um, the hand comes along and it ruins what the foot is doing. It distracts. It makes you go in the other direction. It leads you astray, leads your foot astray. Now, I don't care whether you can do those two things. I don't mind if you rotate your foot clockwise or anti-clockwise. I do care whether you've got the right Jesus. And I do care that we are able to spot those who might come along and teach us different lies rather than truths. And that's what John cares about. Because these people, these anti-Christ, these who were with them and have gone out, they have got the wrong 
Jesus. I've probably got some of these over here. There we go. I need to put them up. They have got the wrong Jesus. Verse 22, have a look at that. Who is the liar? Is the man or is people who deny that Jesus is the Christ? Such a person is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. These people have got Jesus wrong. They are liars. They deny that Jesus is the Christ. If you flick forward, just have a look at uh, chapter 4 of 1 John, verse 2 and 3. I'll read those. Uh, This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Chapter 4, verse 2. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh... But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is, sorry, let me read that again. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. And that seems to be what's going on with these who have turned away from the church and are trying to drag others with them. They're separating over whether or not Jesus really was Christ. Because we think that they they felt it it was an abhorrent idea that God would actually be present there in Jesus as he died. So maybe Jesus was God and man, but the God part of Jesus must have left him before he was crucified. So when he died, he was just a man. So he wasn't Jesus Christ in the flesh, is what they're saying. Or back to verse 22 of chapter chapter 2. Who's the liar? The man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. The Christ, the promised one, the Messiah, the anointed one. So they deny that he's the son of God. You see the connection? Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the father and the son. So if we're telling lies about Jesus, we're actually telling lies about the father as well because the father has revealed who Jesus is and what he would be. So these people are lying. They're deceitful. Uh, They have, to use the word of verse 27, they have a counterfeit Jesus and they are trying to take people away from Jesus. So watch out. Watch out, John says to them. Watch out for lies and false teaching that can deceive you. Now, I know when I was standing here at the beginning and giving you a few corrections from recent weeks, I could see some wry grins around the room. You probably spotted what I was doing. But deception, lies, counterfeit gospel, counterfeit good news, these things are going to be subtle at times, at least. Otherwise, we wouldn't need to be warned about them, would we? They can be subtle and they can be appealing. I happened to join Nathan. My, my, my oldest son passed his driving test six months ago. So he's, he's very into driving. And I walked into the room the other day and he was watching on YouTube um, a whole load of dash cam footage of accidents or near accidents from cars. It's quite, quite fun, actually. I found myself joining him. Okay, so you've got some, you're sitting in the dash cam of one car, and basically you know that the people who are driving the car have submitted these videos because they think that everyone else is an idiot. And, and they're, the, they're in the right, yeah? And so some things you can see coming like a barn door, like this, you know, someone's about to cut in or they're coming out from the wrong place, or you can see some of them very obviously. And you think, okay, I think I could avoid that situation. Others come completely by surprise. You think, whoa, I hadn't expected that car to suddenly do that. And you think, yeah, okay, no matter how on guard I was for that, that might well catch me out. Interestingly, I think many of them are probably a result of bad driving from the car that the camera's in. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because I'm probably going along thinking it's everyone else. And the lies of deceit, to come back to our real ideas, are out there. But maybe my own heart looks for 
desires that are not biblical. Maybe I look to deceive myself because there might be struggles, there might be doubts, there might be concerns going on for me, and I want to find things that, that appeal to me. So watch out for lies and false teaching. It's going to be subtle, and it's going to be appealing. How is it going to be appealing? So I think, I hope you understand what I'm saying here, appealing people and packaging. I'm not necessarily putting the two together. Okay, so some people are going to be really appealing, aren't they, in how they communicate. You're going to come across dynamic teachers, slick presenters, uh, catchy, well-produced, memorable songs with lovely, um, lovely tunes. You're going to find impressive YouTube videos. You're going to find um, Instagram people with huge numbers of followers. You're going to find well-known authors who everyone said, oh, they've been great in the past. But any one of those people or any one of those things could be peddling lies. They could be peddling things which aren't true. Maybe it's subtle. Maybe it starts off small, but then they come, you come with them on a journey. Maybe you know, they, 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 it's about some of the, the finer detail of theology that you haven't even thought about. There will be things, there will be people, there will be packaging that comes along and says, follow this. But... Be really, really careful, therefore, what we absorb. What do you spend time listening to, watching, reading, etc.? I want to encourage you, and I will in a moment, to spend time listening and reading and, and, and looking at and watching really good Christian teaching and resources, but ultimately that, that take us to the Bible. That's where we should be. You're coming to that. That's, a, that's a, a headline to where we're going in a minute. Because there are plenty of people out there who put together good stuff that might draw you in. And actually, if you really then start looking at the lyrics of a song or the particular things that they're saying, actually they've moved away from sound biblical theology and from the sound gospel. So be careful what you absorb. I had to do a repair job at home last year. We've got a bit of wood at the side of our garage that was in contact with the ground and the bottom of it was starting to rot away. And I could see that what was happening is every time it rained, more and more water would get into this bit of wood and it would work its way further and further up and it was rotting. It was disgusting. I had to break it away, break it away, break it away, eventually to get back to sound wood. Be careful what you absorb. It might be drip, 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 small bits at a time. But if we absorb stuff that isn't true, we leave ourselves at risk of being deceived. The other thing then, alongside appealing people and the packaging, will be appealing messages. There will be things that we might want to hear. Perhaps there are truths that we, deep down, we know the Bible teaches but which we find increasingly countercultural, cultural. We find hard to hold on to. Might be views that, that, that we've come up you know, in conversation with other people. Maybe it's things that actually we'd rather water down slightly because the implications of them, if they are true, the implications on my lifestyle, my relationships, my behavior, my drinking, my how I use the internet, whatever it might be, that those things will have implications to me that I would like to be able to push aside. Maybe it's going to be more about doubts and struggles, a bit like that dash cam that's about me. Actually, you know what? If I'm struggling, if I'm doubting God, I'm going to start believing messages that God isn't good, that God doesn't love me, that I'm not really forgiven, because if only everyone knew that thing that I did, then I wouldn't be forgiven. Then I'd have to do more stuff in order to earn God's forgiveness. Those are lies that we might well go to ourselves. So I don't know what those particular things might be for you, 
Uh, young people, as I say, I think particularly be really thoughtful about what you will listen to, what you will watch, the songs that you get into, um, YouTube channels, etc., etc. Um, there are some brilliant ones. There are also several that come with some pretty unhelpful and, uh, and, and downright wrong teaching. So maybe there are particular people or music that we need to be careful about. Maybe it's about ourselves, our own struggles. Maybe it's particular messages that would be appealing. Views on spirituality and, and different ways to God. Everyone can be saved. You don't just need Jesus. Anyone's saved. Very tempting in such a multicultural, multi-religious city as ours. Maybe it's views about the cross, about the sin, about atonement and forgiveness. You need to go very far to find Christian authors who've had good, good reputations in the past who would now tell you that Jesus didn't, it wasn't this whole thing called the substitutionary atonement when Jesus swaps places with us, takes our sin. That, that can't be true. Maybe it's about the authority of the Bible. Maybe it's about sex and sexuality and relationships. I don't know what it might be. Now, none of that is to say that we shouldn't have and won't have differences of opinions within a church family. We will. Okay? And, and that is fine on what we might call, and it's not a great term, but sort of secondary issues, things that aren't fundamental to our faith, as Jesus, faith in Jesus. And we're going to come to this more in a minute. We need to be absolutely clear on the gospel, the truth of Jesus, and God's rescue plan through him. That is where we can be confident, and that is what will protect us from uh, lies and deceit. And just finally, before we move on to the second half, just want to say, that is something that I can do by myself, individually and alone, but I think it's crucially also something that we should be doing together. There are so many reasons why we gather together, but one of them has to be that we care for and protect and love and teach and encourage and admonish and correct each other. If you hear me or see me living out things that you know are not right and are not true, well, if you care enough about me, I hope that, you know, it might feel challenging, mightn't it, but I hope that we might be willing to talk to each other about that. And if I ever came to do that to you or, or someone else, I hope that we would see that that is because we love each other and we want to protect each other from things that might take us away from Jesus. Not because we don't love each other, it's the exact opposite. Okay, so watch out, John says, for the lies uh, that might come along and deceive you, for lies and false teaching. Then, uh, much more, if you like, much more positively, here's the encouragement, hold deeply and firmly to the truth of the gospel. Several things we want to see here. So first of all, uh, verse 24, have a look at that. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. See that what you have heard from the beginning. What have they heard from the beginning? They've heard from John and from other apostles, they've heard the good news of Jesus. They have heard Jesus explained and brought to life in front of them as they've understood God's plan through history to bring Jesus and bring redemption, uh, bring forgiveness for everyone who trusts in him. From the beginning, hold on to what you have heard from the beginning. Make sure it remains in you. And that central thing is Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Back to verse 22 and 23. Jesus is the Christ, the promised one, the Messiah, the anointed one who was to come. Jesus is with the Father, and he is the only way, the only way to be right with the Father. And then verse 25, and in fact, Lily read us a verse from chapter 5 earlier on, didn't she, as well, that used this same language. What do we get? What does he give us? 25. This is what he promised us, even eternal life. Jesus gives us that promised eternal life. Chapter 5, verse 11. And this is the testimony God has given us, eternal life. And this life in who? In his son. 
Not his son and my action, not his son and my giving, not his, his, his son and my attendance on a Sunday and my whatever else it might be. In his son. If you trust in Jesus, Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, as we hear him in the Bible, then you are in him. You are a Christian. Now, maybe that faith for you, maybe that feels really fragile this morning. I know there are people in this room this morning who are going through really tough times. And it would be tempting, wouldn't it, to let the devil, it'd be easy at least, to let the devil come in and let lies work away in our minds that say, am I really, is Jesus really real? Is he really enough? Do I really believe this stuff? If, if he loved me, would this be happening? If he was good, would this be happening? The central thing is Jesus. And Jesus Christ loves us. He came for us. He is that atoning sacrifice, that one who makes us right with God. So hold deeply and strongly to the truth of the gospel. So let me ask you this morning, it wouldn't be right for me not to, uh, is that something that you have believed? Do you have your trust, your faith in Jesus? That Jesus, not the Jesus of nice fairy stories or whatever else, but the Jesus who came, God's son, God himself, who came to rescue us. Now, whether you're, who's me the youngest in the room, 11, or 111, I know we haven't quite got anyone that age. Whatever age you are, no matter how long ago you heard that, if you have put your faith in Jesus, then you are in him. And if you haven't yet, that could be true of you by the time we finished a cup of tea. Luna. So if you have, it's right that we have confidence, not in ourselves, but confidence in him, that we are who he speaks of here. John talks about us remaining, keeping going. Now, you can only remain in something you're already in, can't you? Remain in this building. Well, that's because you're in this building. I can't ask anyone not in the building to remain in. I can invite them in, but then they, only then could they remain. For us with Jesus, if you are in Jesus, you are in. So now remain, hold deeply, hold firmly. That's the great encouragement um, that John has for us here. So how do we do that? How do I hold firmly and deeply? Is that simply a matter of me trying to do my best in my human effort, or is there more to it? There are two things I think this passage points us to, um, which I want to uh, come to. We do that equipped by and dependent on, well, I wonder if you can spot them. One of them, well, neither of them are massively obvious, perhaps as we read through. Verse 20, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. You have an anointing from the Holy One. Verse 27, as for you, the anointing you received from him, Jesus, remains in you. Hmm. What's this anointing, I wonder? This anointing helps them to know the truth. All of you know the truth because of this anointing. And actually, it says in verse 27, uh, that, that no one needs to teach you because you have this anointing that helps you understand truth. Now, I don't think that means that it's wrong for me to stand up here this morning and try and teach. I don't think it's saying that no teaching is needed from humans. I think what it's saying is that this anointing, whatever it is, or whoever it is, helps us understand truth about Jesus, this message from the beginning, so that we can remain in him. I'm going to flick back to John's gospel. Jesus says, John 14, verse 15, If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father 
and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Who's Jesus going to send? The Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? He lives in us, revealing, convincing, convicting us of truth, helping us stand against the lies that we might believe that we absorb from our culture. The Spirit is in us. That is, I think, the anointing that he speaks of. Jesus Christ, Christ meaning the anointed one, gives us an anointing. And I think he puts it this way because um, the, the, these heretics, these antichrists, those who were teaching a different Jesus, they were busily saying, well, we've got this special anointing so that we can now teach you who Jesus really is. Jesus really wasn't the Christ. He'd come with us. So I think John's using his words and saying, Jesus, the anointed one, has sent you an anointing, the anointing, he, the Holy Spirit, to be in you, to reveal truth to you. He teaches, he reveals, he convinces, he convicts. And he does that as we spend time taking seriously and learning from God's word. Verse 24, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. What had they heard from the beginning? They'd heard the message of Jesus. They'd heard the gospel explained, actually by some of the first-hand witnesses. We now have it in God's word, the Bible. And again, as we prayed actually earlier, this isn't simply words that we read as humans. It's God's word that then is brought alive to us by the Holy Spirit. It is, verse 21 says, the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. God has given us his word, the Bible, and he's given us his spirit in us to equip us and to help us to hold firmly and deeply to the truth of the gospel. We need his spirit to start the Christian life. We are, we are dead, we are blind to these spiritual things without his help. We then need the Spirit to help us continue the Christian life, to understand truth, to live by it, to accept it. So it's a huge encouragement to us, I hope, that we are in Jesus and the Spirit is in us. God gives us his Holy Spirit. Perhaps there's also a challenge for us there in how we live day by day, what we do with that. Do I live day by day with an expectation that God's Holy Spirit is in me? is equipping me, is enabling me with a reliance on the Holy Spirit to help me understand truth and live out the Christian life? Do I approach my Bible with a belief that this is God's word given to me, given to us, brought alive by the Spirit so that we can live by it? Do I believe that this is where I find truth? First and foremost, not YouTube, Pinterest, Instagram, whatever else. God's word, brought alive by the Holy Spirit, is where we find truth. If you looked at my days and how I spend my time, what I pray for, how often I'm trying to understand God's word and spending time in it, would you see that that's really what I believe? God gives us his spirit and he gives us his words so that we can hold firmly and hold deeply to the truths of who Jesus is, so that we can delight in who he is as we understand more and more from the pages of scripture brought alive by the, by the spirit who he is. He 
arms us in this spiritual battle, to put it another way. We're in a spiritual battle, and God arms us with the word and with his spirit to live uh, for him. So, that's a bit of a whistle-stop tour through some of this, but I hope that's helpful. Two big themes, big ideas. If you've forgotten everything else, take these. John says, hold deeply and firmly to the truth of the gospel. Drink it in, absorb it, remain in it, help each other to remain in it. This is not just an individualistic walk. This is something we are in together. How do we protect ourselves against enemies out there or enemies in here? By being united together, by being clear, by being loving, by being at one. Hold firmly, hold deeply to those truths. If you take that seriously, I just wonder what might that mean for how we spend our time this week? Will you prioritize picking up your Bible this afternoon, this evening, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, etc.? How will you pray as we do so? Will you pray that the Spirit will be at work in each of us individually and in us together? I think those would be great things for us to be praying. And the other point, watch out for those lies, for false teaching that can deceive you. Young or old in the room, there are things that will come along. Some of them will be from complete non-Christians, but ideas that would distract us, would deceive us, would take us away into lies. Others from those who claim to be Christians, but who've got the wrong Jesus, a counterfeit Jesus. It's lies and not truth. Beware of those things. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your wonderful word, and most of all, for the wonderful Lord Jesus, who you promised to send, uh, who came to rescue every single person, young or old, who puts their faith in you. I thank you for so many in the room here this morning who trust in Jesus. I pray that you would help us, you would equip us in the days ahead uh, and through the rest of our lives to live for you with the help of your spirit, equipped by your word. And Lord, for anyone here yet this morning who um, is unsure of Jesus, is a bit skeptical or, or has lots of questions, thank you so much that they're with us. I pray that they would continue to come and would continue to seek answers to good questions uh, and not just sit on them. And fundamentally, by your spirit, Lord, would you help them, show them truth, reveal Jesus to them, I pray, and that we be united in him. For your sake. Amen.